0: Well good morning pastor. Thank you so much for uh jumping on this uh bright shiny Monday morning early my time, uh afternoon evening your time. And uh and so I am so excited to have you on the podcast uh today. Um I've I've heard that you and your church have been doing have been doing some amazing things helping guests from Ukraine as they've, you know, uh, started in some cases a brand new journey. And so, uh, but before we dive any, into any of that, let me allow you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your church, how you got started.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Sean, for having me with you at this podcast. I'm Dorindo Mitrascu and I'm one of the pastors of Emmanuel Christian Church in Galaz, Romania. I'm uh, working with uh, this church from the beginning of the church which was 1999 and uh, I started uh, being involved as a, a worship leader but now I um, I take more and more responsibilities in in leadership of the church I've been a teacher for 11 years and I love working with teenagers especially and 11 years ago I decided to be full time minister at the church working, as I said, with uh, worship and also with youth. And my passion is to connect the church and Christian values with uh, society. I, I know specifically about this region that um, the communists said about uh, Christians, but we are stupid and closed in our uh, small churches and there is no uh, context of the, the time we are living in. And um, something stirred in my heart and my passion is to connect Christian values to society. So that's why I'm, um, I'm working uh, with uh, teenagers, with kids, with all kinds of ages, and I want to share the Gospel in different ways. And praise God for this huge opportunity that uh, He provided us through um, the war. It's not a good thing, but even the, the bad things are managed by God for good purpose. So we, we see the good side of working with uh, people from Ukraine. So far, I would say our church um, worked with about 2,000 people
0: from Ukraine from the. Wow, two, yeah. 2,000. Yes. So because... you guys you guys have seen a lot of people come through your, yeah. your church.
1: Yeah, the second day after the war began, which was February 24th, the second day, 25th, we opened our uh, church as a refugee center for people. And we could see a change in the behavior of the people coming from uh, Ukraine. Firstly, uh, people that uh, had a plan, they had a car, they had money, they had whatever needed for getting to Europe. England, Germany, or different countries. But now right. we can see people with no perspective, uh, only women maybe, with children coming and have no plans. So uh, this uh, determined way to stay longer till we find a solution for them to find a, ho- a house, a temporary house in Romania or in,
0: in different parts of Europe. Right. Well, I want to I want to talk about a couple of things that you just mentioned right there, uh, Pastor. Uh, number one, you said that Obviously, the war. This is a a, a tragic situation, um, a bad situation, but I would agree with you. It is amazing to see uh, God be able to use something um, like like war to really unite the church and to allow them to be His hands and feet. And and I I I I've been blown away by. I, I guess I didn't know really what to expect um, when, when, the, when when this all started, but I've been blown away by seeing these churches come together, churches that didn't even necessarily know each other right. um, previously uh, come together, congregations come together and just simply say, how can we help? How can we show the love of God to people who need help? You know, no, 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 no. You know, preconceived notion, no preconceived idea. Well, you have to be this way or look like this or know this or be this religion. How can we help you? How can we show Jesus's love to you? Right. And um, I, I used to work for a um, a, a large nonprofit uh, that did humanitarian relief, and they, you know, their, their founder said it's really hard to share the gospel with someone on an empty stomach. And, you know, what he meant by that was simply, sometimes you have to take care of people's physical needs first. And then when you take care of those physical needs, you're able to go in and really share the gospel message and faith and, and what, you know, Christ loves. So, um, uh, and secondly, I I can't believe two thousand refugees. So let let's let's dive into that. So leading up to the twenty fourth, leading up to February twenty fourth, which I know is the day that yeah. kind of uh, stuff, you know yeah. started everything. What what was Romania's stance? What was your stance? What was your church's stance? What was and and I understand you're not a, a Romanian government official, but but from what you were hearing on your media, what was Romania's stance? they think that Russia would truly come into Ukraine? Uh, we we
1: hoped till the last minute that this won't happen. But uh, yeah, as you, as all the world, we had news coming that uh, Putin is preparing the war to start. So we, we could see this. But what was uh, confusing is that we asked uh, people from Ukraine, what do you think about the war? And they say nothing will happen because uh, they used to to train their their tanks around Ukraine since 2014, when they uh, took uh, Crimea. So they said, we are sure nothing will happen. So we started to believe them. (laughs) But suddenly uh, the war started and everybody was very uh, shocked. We didn't know how to Mm -hmm. respond to this. We couldn't uh, believe this is happening in, in this time. We thought uh, it was only part of history, the Second World War. But not now, in 2022, to have such a a primitive style of fighting and conquering countries. So, yeah, we we are shocked. And um, I think that uh, transformed all this uh, anxiety into working for the kingdom. And we could see amazing waves of uh, uh, care and of concern, of prayer, of donations... For this situation, people, as we said, from all kinds of churches, even non-believers, they started to donate for the church. When we said mm-hmm. first on the first day, but our church becomes um, a refugee center, people in our city who are not Christians they asked for help. How can we help your church to to help refugees? So yeah, it was a unique time in history. I'm sure for the the rest of my life, I remember this period, which is uh, a mixture yeah. of emotions. You know. When you hear the stories of these people, and probably we'll talk about stories in our interview today. But when you hear stories so sad and so dramatic, um, your, your emotions are broken. But at the same time, you see the power of the gospel and the beauty of the church. Because on the first call to the members of our church, we had mattresses for 30 people in one hour. Wow. And we have food for, for them for a couple of days. So we, we had prayers and we have everything needed instantly. So the church transformed instantly into a hub for refugees.
0: Wow. It, it, you know, I, I, I know for for the church here in the United States, you know, you have a lot of people, when 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 tragedy breaks out, people I find want to do something. They want to give, they want to help in some way. You know, some people may not necessarily be able to afford to give financially, but I find that those are the people who will usually run to the front lines to say, "How? What can I do? Let use my hands, use my feet. What you know? What can I do to help um, in this situation?" And it's amazing that you know the church. I I really believe that's what Christ called the church to be. You know, and and uh, you know that that's one of our greatest ministries out there. Is is showing his love and his compassion uh, to those in need. So um, I, I can completely understand, you know, your congregation running to the the need there. Um, so let's let's talk about a couple of those stories. So obviously, how how you guys are you you have Moldova between you, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So where did you see the majority of your guests uh, coming from? and uh, how, how did they travel and, mm-hmm. and uh, what are some of their stories that stick out to you? Yeah, right. So uh, our city Galats
1: is uh, very close to Moldova, mm-hmm. but if you drive one hour from our city, you will find the border directly to Ukraine. So okay. this okay. is the place where the most of the people that stay in our center come from. This is called Isakcha and it's in the county of Tulcha. It's uh, like one hour from our place. So um, yeah, we, we receive phone calls from the, the borders, uh, customers and f- even from people in, in Ukraine calling us because we now know about our church being a center. And um, we send cars, we send drivers to the border waiting for the people we are waiting, waiting for. And we bring them to our church. Usually they stay here between two days and one month. Um, and uh, we accommodate them, we provide a bed, we provide free um, meals a day for them and also counseling and uh, we try to help them to get to a different place because we want to keep our church like a hub and to create more space for people who would come after they stay in our church. So we don't, our policy is not to keep people for long term here but just for some exceptions, people that have maybe a job in in Galatz. So I remember one night <clears throat> um, staying here at the center, and suddenly the the door of the center opened, and a teenager, a teenager of sixteen years old, entered, and he was by himself, no father, no mama, nobody. He didn't know the language. He didn't know anybody here, and. Um, Uh, He spoke English a little bit and he said to me, my father led me to the border, but because he's a man between 18 and 65, he had to stay in Ukraine. He's not allowed to travel with me. And my mom is living in Poland for many years. So he was the the same age as my son, 16 years old. And I had to stay in, in front of a teenager of my son's age and think about this. How about me leading my son to the border and uh, not knowing about uh, who will take care of him he does not speak the language of that people and so many other questions only 16 years old yeah another very sad story is a lady but these days is staying here in the in the center she came here from the city of Nikolaev in in ukraine and she said uh, that she decided to come to romania after uh, the russian army killed her son who is 18 years old and um, she still has uh, three more, more boys and they are here in our center wow. and you can imagine the um, uh, the heaviness of this situation and another another story is a lady who came here and the, the next day she received the message but her husband was killed because he was a soldier in the army so yeah our volunteers must be very strong must be counseled and also we as pastors need to take care of them not to burn out because all the stories
0: are very heavy emotionally. I, it, that, pastor that that leads me to want to ask a question you know as a pastor as a shepherd as a leader um, you just made it personal right there you said you had a 16 you have a 16 year old son uh, I have a 19 year old daughter and and I could not fathom dropping them off at a border of a of, of, a, of a strange country yeah. um, and saying go be yeah. safe go find go find help and um how, how do you how do you and your other pastors uh prepare spiritually how do you guys I mean you guys you're right you have some heavy stuff you're seeing um how how do you guys prepare how are you guys? being able to continue to pour and give not only to your normal congregation, not only to the people who come Sunday, you know, every Sunday to church, but now to these new guests.
1: Yeah, it is a tough time. And I would say maybe we are now um, in the center of the events and we do not realize all that is happening around us and within us, and maybe after the war will will stop. We'll we'll see how how we, we journeyed in this um, in this period. But uh, what we practice and what we ask from every volunteer in our center is to to have at least one day off when we are not connected with the refugee center, and to. To be connected with something else but fill our souls because this is vital for us and also keeping right. our time of, of the lord reading the scripture and praying every day and also praying with each other because this is a spiritual ministry this is not just right. a humanitarian work this is something that right. uh, reaches the heart of these people it's not just accommodating them or uh, Providing a bed or meal for them, it's it's caring about their souls and their about their eternity. So yeah, we we pray for this, and also we we want to take time to um, relax and to be out of this um, uh, huge
0: ministry of the Lord. Right, just mm-hmm. just basically refresh time to refill and it's refresh. So, right. uh, how, how big is your church? How many people attend on a Sunday? Uh, your normal congregation. Yeah, we, we have around
1: 300-320 uh, people attending our service every Sunday. Cool. okay. It's okay. not a big so... church, but we have uh, very dedicated volunteers who come and serve. We have key volunteers who are the same from the beginning and they come here almost every day. We, we have to send some of them out <laughs> some days of the week because they love so much uh, helping volunteers. And also, we, we've been um, we've been blessed by other churches, even from UK or United States, who send uh, volunteers here, and they are a huge blessing for us because they will help. And they come here maybe for a couple of days, a week or two, and uh, come to help from cleaning the toilets, uh, changing the beds, uh, providing for meals, and just being around and praying for people. These are uh, things, but uh, other other churches invested in our church to
0: make us resist for long term. Got it. Yeah, that's, um, again, it's just uh, one more example of the power of the church pulling together. You just say from the UK, from the US churches, you know, we, we we see the need and, and, and it's our responsibility, I I believe to respond to that need. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, it's so refreshing to hear uh the stories of these uh, you know churches that from other countries coming to help um let me, let me go back to your stories for just a couple of seconds so what i, I have to know what, what ended up happening with the young man
1: praise god now he's in poland and he's with his mom and waiting for the world to, to stop and he will join his father also yeah okay this is the situation. You know, uh, many of them, we we connect them with the families they have.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what we've seen. I know, I know, there in Borelia, uh, the churches we work with up in Bucharest, uh, we we see a lot. They're they like you said. I think you said use this word earlier. You said hubs. You know, yes. feed people, give them a little bit of rest, mm-hmm. help them spiritually, whatever you know, really whatever they need, but ultimately be a a staging point to get them to their final destination. Um, And what is the, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of talking to so many folks from Ukraine, so many other pastors that are helping. What, um, when you talk to them, when you talk to your guests, you're, you know, from Ukraine What are what are they feeling emotionally about their country? Are do you sense a sense of pride? I mean, obviously, we from here in our media we see, um, you know, this it's almost a David and Goliath story, if you will. You know, you've got the Goliath of Russia and 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 David, and then we're seeing we're reading reports of of the Ukrainian military pushing Goliath out of the cities. Yeah. So what are you sensing? What are you seeing? Uh, what are a lot of your guests telling you that their thoughts of Ukraine are?
1: Yeah, I'm very impressed with how their emotions are. Even they are broken. They say Ukraine will win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very, I'd say the most of them would say this. Um, yeah, but also there are people who could say maybe are afraid and they are so discouraged but they would say, you from Galatia and Vrela, you should move from here because you are very close to the border. <laughs> so go away and move your families from this region because you are in danger. But mainly they would say um, Ukraine will win and uh, Russia will be defeated and they'll go back to their country and we invite, they invite us to visit them after the war is finished and see how God provided and how God
0: changed the culture there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it, it, it's it's I, I was talking to a young woman uh, the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, and she said she said, we want peace in, in Ukraine, but more than we want peace, we want our country back. Right. And I thought that was a very powerful statement. Um, we want peace, but we want our country back and we want all, of, you know, she was indicating or insinuating she want we want all of it back you know we're not going to settle for just a a, a piece of our country no. uh this is our country and no. so um just just very very um very interesting let let me ask you this question you you, you hit on something and i i i maybe think of a question uh obviously you know russia is is a and and not to get overly political here but russia's you know obviously a large country they have a a, mm. a leader who uh, as, as my pastor says, is a little crazy. Uh, I believe he says cray-cray is the word he uses when he talks about Russia's leader. Um, does Romania have any concerns about uh, Russia coming to, to your border? Um, or do you guys feel like there's no way he, he, that would happen? It depends on the season. <laughs> At
1: the beginning um, of the war very few of uh, the people that i talked to uh talked with in in Galates region they would say maybe we will be in the war but uh, after he took part of uh, his influence now is in odessa region very close mm-hmm. to the black sea romanians are afraid but at least we will be neighbors with russia because he'll come by the border of romania by the danube river and this is right. not a good news for us because we know how to live under the communists. We've been influenced by Russia almost 50 years, uh, till 89. So uh, those that are like my age were older than me, they would say, no way with Russia, we don't want them. I think that's why Romanians are so friendly now with Ukraine, because we as people, as nations, we don't have a very good relationship with Ukrainians. But because the war started, and we know how is to fight with Russia, we became friends instantly. So we invite mm. them in our houses, in our churches, in everything. So, yeah, coming back to the question, I'd say, um, some people are very afraid. And I would say maybe they, they did all the documentations. They said that uh, for getting a passport now, you, you must wait wait weeks because mm. um, people are uh, willing to have a passport to be ready to live in case of a of war starting here. So yeah, a couple of Romanians are, are very afraid. Even the government and the president of the country would say, "No worries for Romanians, because we we are covered being part of NATO." Right. But even so, you know the the nuclear weapon that Putin would say oftenly, it's a it's a danger for us. Right. We hope this won't happen, <laughs> but we we are more concerned about Moldova because they are our brothers, Romanians and Moldovians. Uh, we used to be one nation. They, they speak the same language with us. And uh, it seems that the, the situation there is getting worse and worse because it seems yeah. that uh, they want to connect a part of Ukraine with uh, Transnistria that is part of Moldova. And um, yeah, from from Moldova, there are very many people who left. Even the war didn't start in Moldova, but they already left for different region in Europe. So we yeah. we to
0: receive our brothers from Moldova in Galaz. Yeah, You know, and we have, um, obviously we have a, a clinic and a, 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 church there in, in Moldova and, um, and we're, you know, we're in contact with pastor Alex literally daily, <laughs> um, uh, talking to him as he's quickly trying to help and, and, and do everything he can do. Um, and, and we have sensed a little bit of that, uh, that, the concern, um, just because of the size of, of Moldova, but, um, uh, but I, uh, yeah, also, I don't... The army. Moldova does not have enough
1: army to to right. conquer or to oppose to, to Russia. Yeah,
0: and and they're also not part of the the NATO. No. And and uh, no. you know, no. so you guys are kind of the line. Uh, you and Poland yeah. are kind of the line where it starts. And and uh, it we sounds like Finland is. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like Finland's trying to jump in there too really quick now. So uh, from everything we're hearing over here. So I guess my my kind of in, as we start to wrap up here, um, what would you tell pastors here? If you could sit down with a, a, a room full of pastors from the United States and they said, how can we help? What can we do? Uh, what can we instruct our congregation to do? What would you tell them? What would you say to them? It's a good question. And I would I would start uh,
1: thanking to the pastors because um, you've, you've been involved in so many projects in so many nations. And you have a, a, mission, a heart for mission. And yet you are connected with uh, the whole planet. And uh, second, I would say pray for peace. There is a scripture in some... Uh, 46 but it's a huge encouragement for me in this wartime. God has put a stop to the war in every season. So pray with the scripture of God. Pray that Putin will stop the war. Uh, Then I would encourage them, these pastors, to come and visit, come and see Uh, or send key people from your communities to see how the things are are here. and also uh, continue to donate because um, the, the need in Ukraine is so big that uh, it, it will take like uh, 20, 30, 40 years to rebuild Ukraine. So be right. to prayer for long-term, long term, long, long term missions in, in Ukraine. And after the war will stop, I'm sure churches from United States will love to visit and to connect with churches in, in Ukraine to, to help them. And one of the projects that we are doing in our hub in Galati is to send the trucks of food to Ukraine. So yeah, I would like to invite you to connect with us and so many others in Romania who do the same and to send food for the churches very close to the border of Romania. Please send volunteers to Romania. We need your hard-working people here in, the, in helping and um, administrating uh, centers like ours and some others.
0: Yeah. So a lot, a lot of tangible ways people can get involved. And it's interesting that every pastor I've talked to has kind of said the same thing. They've said, obviously pray for peace. Yeah. And obviously, you know, give when you can, but they've all talked about the rebuilding efforts. They've all Mm -hmm. talked about the, um, you know that this is not a short-term situation. Uh, so much damage has been done. Right. Even if the war were to end today, which would be great, um, there's still a rebuilding of a of a nation that's going to have to happen, right. and and that's going to take a lot of time, a lot of resource, uh, a lot of help, and um, and so I I I, I appreciate that that comment in in sending people over um, and and keeping it on the forefront of their mind that this is not, you know, just because we don't hear about it in the media here as much as we did when it first started around the, you know, February 24th, doesn't mean that stuff's not still happening. There's still an active war going on. People are still, unfortunately, um, you know, losing their lives. And there are still, you know, people who are very fearful and and are leaving um you know i their their home uh how how often are you seeing now uh refugees arrive at your facility are they still coming daily yes. um
1: so we have daily okay. people coming here we we have uh, right now about 80 people so the number of people but stay in our refuge in refuge center is center is between 17 100 people so we yeah. see daily people coming and leaving coming and leaving yeah
0: yeah, and that and that's uh, I, I know our church in Moldova. That's what he's seeing too. He said uh, when we were talking to him last that you know they'll have a bus show up in really the middle of the night, you know, sometimes and and uh, it'll have you know fifty, sixty, ref, you know, refugees on it, and they have to call call to arms real quick, call to action, you know, uh, process and feed and 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 you know try to help these folks in any way that they can. Um, are you are what are you guys partnered with any organization like Convoy of Hope or any of the other organizations out there to help with supplies? No,
1: we, we don't have connections with uh, this kind of organization. We we're in touch with different churches and um, maybe smaller organizations in in Europe and United
0: States. Okay, okay. Well, um, I I will definitely keep my my ears open um, with uh, I I know that we we're, we have a relationship with Convoy of Hope who is a international organization that is you know brings in tangible needs and really um, you know there there could be some some opportunities there so let me uh, let me see what I can do on this side and see if we can help so. because as I I was telling a pastor up in in uh, Bucharest you know we want you to, the funds that, that are being sent over, we would rather those go to something, you know, to use the best way possible. But if we can get you a lot of the basic supplies, uh, you know, that's a huge help, you know, uh, cause he was saying, you know, we need diapers, we need basics, we need, you know, stuff that we can cook a meal with. And, um, And so, you know, that's a a lot of the stuff that that Convoy provides. So uh, I'll see what we can do there. Um, Pastor, anything else, any other stories really stick out to you?
1: Yeah. um, I I remember talking with an old man coming to our center, and um, he was a Christian, and he was uh, very very touched by the the love that he received in the center from our volunteers in the church and he took his phone and he said look at my phone at these pictures and videos and he started to, to show me pictures with uh, the war in uh, in the city of Nikolaev, and he said this is what i've seen and um, coming here to your center i received so much peace and i was so blessed to to be in a country with no war and being surrounded with Christians. And yeah, that uh, short discussion with this man who spe- spoke English was so energetic for me to to know that we are we are here to light the glory of God in these lives that are so fragile and uh, full of fear and full of war. Yeah, and I could see that uh, God is using us beyond our expectation. And it's so interesting to see that... Uh, uh, what God has put in us as Church is something that we do not realize till a moment like this. So I would say the beauty of Church is seen better now in these dark times than in previous and quiet and peaceful times.
0: And and that, that that's an amazing that's an amazing statement right there, uh, because that really should be what the Church is all about—a beacon of hope, in yeah. uh, you know that lighthouse on the hill. Uh, there are so many analogies that go along with that over time, but you know, people should be able to run to the church, regardless of who they are. We want them to come to the church and experience Christ's love, and and what He brings uh, to them. So, uh, Pastor, I I want to just uh, I want to thank you guys, you and your entire congregation, your entire staff for everything that you guys are doing over there. I I know that it's long hours. It's not easy. Um, and, and you guys are, as I said earlier, you know, having to not only tend to your own flock, uh, of, of congregants that, that come, you know, week in, week out, but now have a whole nother flock of, of people who are coming to see you, uh, and these guests. Um, and, and so I, I want to thank you so much for your, for opening your church and as as someone here in the United States, hearing these stories and seeing examples like yourself, um, it, it really warms my heart to know that, you know, ar- re- whether we're, we're here or in Eastern Europe or in Asia or Africa, the church is the church is the church. And it is the one thing that Christ left uh, here to uh, to 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 help guide people to him and uh you guys are doing it sounds like a phenomenal job of that so uh thank thank you so much and uh obviously thank you so much for your time this morning or afternoon your time um and and sharing some of these stories uh I- any other things you want to share i'd say thank you sean for uh,
1: interviewing and uh, spending time about uh, this uh, issue of uh helping people in Ukraine, appreciate your heart and appreciate your mission that is ready to, to serve. And uh, thank you for uh, providing uh, this space and uh, making the voice of the people who are under threat uh, being
0: heard by people in the United States. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, we appreciate it. Sean here, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider giving it a like, a follow and a share. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, consider giving it five stars. I look forward to sharing the next story with you real soon.